whatever. What a good song. What great singing tonight. Could you run my office and see if there's anything in my fridge to drink? That would be a good thing. And so I'm going to pass around the sign-up sheet I passed around this morning. I'll explain it one more time, then we'll do it next week. I'm, I'm excited. We, one of the things I mentioned and something that's very important as a Christian is to be in the Word of God. A Christian cannot grow without being in the Word of God. It is impossible. Just as it's impossible for grass to grow without water, it is impossible for a Christian to grow without the Word of God. Many Christians today struggle and aren't growing because they don't have a relationship with the book. And it's a big problem, and it's something that is a hole in our church we've got to do a better job of in general. I mentioned this morning it takes about 17 days to start a habit. And so that's not a long time. And sometimes we pick up all the bad habits, right? It's those things, it's easy to pick up on some of those bad habits. But we want to pick up and have a good habit. A good habit of growing in the Word of God. I mentioned that there are, I have probably this upcoming year five or six Bible reading plans I'm going to do. If I were to give you my phone tonight and let you see how many different Bible plans I've done through the year with people, you'd be surprised that there's so many. Besides all the studying I do for messages, it's completely up. But I can tell you this. Make sure you understand. You will never go wrong spending time studying the Word of God. You could watch your favorite show on TV and be disappointed at the end and be like, I just wasted an hour. Or you could be a Charger fan like me and be like, they lose to a team that only has three wins today. And it's like, I wasted that time after church today watching the second half. It was a waste of time. It would have been much better to read the Word of God and not look at the score even, because how do you lose to a team? How do you do that? But when you're a Charger fan, that's how life goes. That's what it is. And so, but I'd still much rather be a Charger fan than a Raider fan. Just remember that. But um, I'm going to pass around the sign-up sheet one more time tonight. I mentioned, now this one, as I mentioned, it might sound a little scary to you. Going through the Bible in about three and a half years' time. It's slower than the four chapters a day getting through in a year. I've read my Bible through in a year since, I think since I was 21, I've done it every year. And this will be another year. I did one time where I did the whole Bible in one month. That was a crazy month. And, you know, at the end, you don't get a ton of substance in that month's time. But you do pick up on some things that you don't pick up other ways. Or um, when I've done it in three months, I've done it in a year. The, um, the material that we'll be using for the three and a half years, I've gone through almost all of it. And it has really deepened my knowledge for the Word of God more than any other. I've gone to Bible college. I've read thousands of books. I have somewhat of an education. You might not agree or think so, but I do. Just a little bit of one. Just a little bit. I have a degree in my office. It's not an accredited degree, but it's still a degree. And so I printed it at home years ago, and no one's ever asked to look. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's real. It's real. I spent good money for that non-accredited degree. But anyway, um, really the past three, three, three and a half years of going through this series— and the way that they go through it, I can't say I agree 100% on everything that they say. But 95% is very good. And so you're going to have to download an app. It's Through the Word is the app. And uh, it'll take three and a half years to go all the way through. And so basically you'll have six to eight minutes of a devotional going over the chapter before you read it. Then you will read the chapter. And they do a very good job of explaining things 
It's the most excited I've ever been going through the book of Leviticus is going through it in this series. And that says quite a bit right there. And so you might say, Pastor, three and a half years, that's just too long of a commitment to try. I know, you can sign up for 30 years for your house, right? But three years for the Lord is a little too long. So if you might say, I want to start small. Start trying and to see where you get. And maybe you go a month in, you're like, this is just too hard. Find something else a little shorter that will work for you, and we'll work with that. But there are three different ones to sign up for. The one that was for the entire, for those three and a half years, the whole page filled up this morning. So I flipped it over. The blank sheet is just, if you want to be a part of that one, you sign your name there. And I'm going to go one more Sunday of introducing it, and then I will send out a text with all the directions on how to start. Then there's one to do the Bible through in a year. It's four chapters a day. There's one to just go one chapter a day. And so there's different options there. If you would like, and you might, and this is the thing I already know. I know many of you already have a Bible reading program or you have a way that you do it. And if you do it and you're already doing it, I don't want to change you from how you do it. I want more people to, do, to read the Word of God. That's my goal with this. And so you look at by the end of the day, I will have teenagers. I have a special reading plan with them. I will have four or five reading plans, and I do every single one of them to be a part of it with everybody. So if you find one you can do, that's great. But if you, you know, and if it's too hard after a while, you can switch it up. But at the end of the day, if you do the three and a half years, I know that's a long time on the road, but literally eight-minute devotional, five to ten minutes to read the chapter, you're done in 15 minutes. That's not a long time. And so I'll pass this around. The blank one on top is for the 15 minutes a day for three and a half years. And then the other ones still have spaces left on them. So if you want to sign up or anything there, that's fine. If you've already signed up or you don't want to sign up, that's totally fine too. But I would encourage you, even let's, you're just like, it's too hard to even think about doing one chapter a day. So do this. Read one verse a day. Just do that. And maybe it's too, and you don't want to do a plan. Read the proverb of the day. Just read the proverb. Even if you find four or five verses there, I'll tell you this. I do five or six different plans, and I still read Proverbs every day. And five Psalms every day, too. Because if you read five a day, you can get through Psalms every month. And I read the book of Acts one chapter every day of the month, too. So throughout the year, I go through Psalms, Proverbs, and Acts 12 times. Besides all the other reading that goes on. Because as a pastor, I think the book of Acts is important. I believe as a Christian and the wisdom we need, the book of Proverbs is important. And I think emotionally and keeping yourself stable, Psalms is good and important. And so that's good. So that's all of that. Let's get into the Word of God tonight so we can go home in a little bit, all right? And um, we're finishing up Romans 13 tonight. As you can tell, as we get ready to go into the new year, Sunday mornings for this year, we're going to be finishing up the book of Mark. The book of Mark is going to take us most of this year to get through. We started it last year. We are not quite finished, but we're going to be going through a lot still, which will be a good thing. Sunday nights, we're going to finish up the book of Romans. We have three chapters left to go. And then Wednesday nights, you saw the new setup for Wednesday nights. If you didn't get one of those papers in the foyer, there's a paper there with the new setup for Wednesday nights. This coming Wednesday is no service. This week, this is the last service of 2021. And then next Sunday, we will start the new year. I want to encourage you to be here on Sunday morning. I mentioned this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message. There will not be any notes on the screen. We're going to look at one, one parable of Jesus. I'm going to break it down 
I'm going to talk about some things, some personal things in my life. And it's not easy for me to do that. And I was even praying if I shouldn't. But then Paul talked about, as I was reading this week in one of my plans, that there, we should glory in our weaknesses and how the Lord has helped those weaknesses. So I'm going to give you some of my weaknesses and what the Lord's done with those. And so I hope you'll be here next Sunday for that. And then I think that's about it. So let's get to Romans 13. Last week we started in Romans 13. Tonight we're going to finish the chapter. We've only got four verses to look at tonight. Last week we looked at how we're supposed to submit to government rulers in those things last week. Look at verse number 11. It says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Last week we looked at our duty when it comes to government around us. Tonight we look at the believer's spiritual duty in our daily lives. As you see, Paul's been building a case from chapter number 2. We saw how we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. We see how we're supposed to use our gifts within the body that God places us. We saw our responsibility to all Christians and how we interact with them at the end of chapter 12. Chapter 13, we see how a Christian should respond in our duty towards government and those around us. And tonight we see our spiritual duty in our daily lives. As we look at this passage tonight, and you'll notice that Paul uses the language of haste and urgency. He's telling them that this is not something that we put off another day. This is something that we do today. Look at these verses as we look at them. And that knowing the time, and that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off. And he says, let us, but put on. You see, there's urgency in Paul as he gives this message a long time ago. If it was urgent, Paul wrote these words. It is even more urgent today in 2021 as we close out the year. I do not believe we could have picked a better passage to close out 2021 than this passage. And this, I did not know where we would get to in the Romans this year. And this is where we've gotten to tonight. We're going to take a little bit of time and talk tonight about the believer's spiritual. Father, I need your help tonight. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your grace. I thank you for our church. I thank you for those that are here tonight. I pray that as we look at this passage tonight, that you would light a fire in the heart of your people. That we would wake up to what is around us, to where we're at in this world, and wake up to the reality that you are coming soon. And because of the fact that you're coming soon, everything we do, there needs to be an urgency behind it. Help us tonight, in Spirit of God, I pray that you would awaken some of the Christians in this room, or those listening online, and that we would come with you plan for our lives. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
we see our duty to watch diligently. Our duty to watch diligently. Verse number 11 says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We see number one is when we talk about spiritual duty, we're to watch diligently. What are we to watch? Letter A, watch the seasons. The word time is referring to a season of time. The whole verse, verse number 11, has to do with the return of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that we just talked about this this morning? And it kind of goes hand in hand with the message this evening. And so here is that we are to keep our eyes on the fact of the things changing around us and how we have our eyes open to the fact that Jesus is coming again. And we can't just, this is what happens, you cannot just set the cruise control and just go through life and think everything's just going on the same all the time. No. Now's the time to wake up and realize the fact that the Lord is coming. And as we look at this and we dive a little deeper here tonight, you just turn on the news. Look at our world today. We are getting close to the Lord's return. And when we talk about that, you think about what Jesus told them in the book of Matthew. It's still good advice today in Matthew 42, verse 24, verse 42 through 44. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Christmas morning, outside of our house, someone decided on our van, our family van, to break the back window out on Christmas morning. If I would have known someone was going to break my back window, I would have been out there and I would have had a baseball bat in my hand and I would have taught them a good lesson before they broke my window on my van. We got all, we got plastic wrap around it tonight. It works. It's, it'll work for a couple days till we get it replaced. But if I would have known, or we would have put it in the garage, but we didn't know. What the Bible says here is, you need to be watching. God, I've given you a word to realize when the time is coming. And so be watchful. Don't have your head in the sand. Keep your eyes open. Be watchful for the seasons. Not only watch the seasons, but let her be watch for sleep. Paul tells us the time for slumber has long passed. The word high time has to do with a specific hour has arrived. The time is coming. And when we look at that tonight, too many of God's people tonight are sleeping on the job. We're not watchful. We, we're just going through our lives as if everything is going to keep on going. When the Lord tells us, hey, it's time you wake up. It's time you get your focus in the right place and realize I'm coming again. And this was written almost 2,000 years ago. We need this today. Too many Christians today live their lives as they please without any thought of what God's... Hey, parents, as your children grow up in the Lord, do you even, and you got to be very careful with this, and I'm going to be careful how I word this. Are you trying to get your children to do what you want them to do? Or are you trying to get them to do what God wants them to do? 
What is God's will? That should be the desire and goal of every parent to get their child to do what God wants them to do. And to get them into the right places so when God tells them and God speaks to them, they do what God says. That should be all of our desires. Our goal tonight should be to be in the will of God in whatever we're doing. Too many Christians tonight are living their life as they please. They don't care about souls. They don't care about any of these things. They come to church the 1.2 times a month, as we talked about this morning. And the verses here talk about spiritual duty. It's time to wake up because the Lord is coming again. The Bible tells us, and we think about this word sleep, sleep is defined. I think I need to define sleep for you. You know what sleep is tonight. Some of you are just about there tonight. I see that. It's okay. Sleep is defined as a state of inactivity, a loss of consciousness, and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. In other words, the sleeping person is out of touch with the events that surround them while they sleep. Sometimes an earthquake will happen in the middle of the night. Most of us don't even know it happened. Why? We sleep right through it. But then, that's how a lot of Christians are. Everything, the world's unraveling around us, and God's trying to work and do something, and we're just spiritually out of it. We're spiritually asleep when God's trying to work in our lives, trying to help us and grow us in his things. And when we look at these things, there are, think about this, the, how many Christians are not active in the work of God? Imagine what could happen in the world if all Christians were active in God's work. Think about that one tonight. But there, I couldn't imagine in this church what would happen if 50% of the people were active in God's work. I could relax a little bit. Not go to sleep, but I could relax a little bit. We need to be watching. May the Lord find us watching. Not sleeping. Let her see. Not only do we need to watch the seasons, watch for sleep, we also need to watch for the Savior. Paul tells us there in verse number 11, he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. As you know, in all reality, well, it says, How is my salvation more near than when I believed? There are really three stages to salvation. I'll, I'm not going to throw you off on anything here. But we are saved, we're being saved, and will be saved. At the moment of, of salvation, we are saved from our past, present, and future sins. Daily, we are saved from the power of sin, sin the scripture says. And then eventually, we'll be saved from the presence of sin God forever. As I talk about that, and when we think about that tonight, one day, Jesus is going to return for his people. And we'll experience the full effect of salvation. Because, yes, we're saved, and praise God, we're saved tonight, and God is working in our lives daily. But our salvation is not, it is already complete in God's eyes. We're already seated in heavenly places. But where we are tonight, it's not fully complete for us till we're out of this place. And we're saved from this place. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense to you tonight. It's more near today than when you got saved. Your day of salvation, the day of salvation being complete. 
will experience the completeness someday. Are you living your life today in expectancy that the Lord could return at any moment? I think the way we live, the way we act, the way we do lots of things, if our eyes on the fact that the Lord could return at any moment. This is the problem why most Christians don't live that way is because they're asleep on the job. Because the earth is crying out that the Lord is coming back. Don't you sense that? Every earthquake, every major storm, every conflict in the Middle East and in that area, everything going on leading towards a one-world government, a one-world currency, the world is crying out. The earth is crying out. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And Christians are sitting on their couches. They're laying in their beds with their heads on the pillow. And they don't have a clue what's going on because they're not alert to the fact that the Lord is coming again. We care about everything else. But we leave this on the back burner. We see number one tonight, our duty is to watch diligently number two we see our duty to war diligently verse number 12 the verse says the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness now look at what it says and let us put on the armor of light our duty to war diligently we think about this letter a we see a time of crisis Paul is telling us the time to sleep has, I think you've gotten that tonight, and that time to be active in the work of God. His words remind us that there should be an urgency to the things of God. That's why, church, it doesn't matter if there's 10 people in a service or 100 people in a service. This could be the last service I ever preach, and I'm going to go out with a bang if it's the last one. I might, not, I might not even be here next Sunday. Do you think about that? The Lord could take me home. The Lord could end everything. How am I? This could be the last opportunity I have. So this morning, think about this. There are many Christians, and I know some people, they've traveled, they've done all these different things, but there are a lot of Christians today that were at home. And what if this was the last Sunday you could have spent in church and you stayed at home? Or today was the last day you could teach your Sunday school class and you barely pieced anything together and you barely got into your class on time or a little bit late, whatever the case may be, and you gave the little effort you've ever given. And it's the last time you ever got to do it. What if it's the last time you got to give to God today? We need to wake up. We think about this time of crisis. The urgency Every day there are people dying and going to hell in our our neighbors, our friends, our relatives. Every day the forces of evil stronger and stronger in the people. There's a tremendous need for God's people to wake up. You have the answer tonight. You have what this world needs this world needs jesus christ it needs the light of jesus christ you have the answer tonight and yet we go around oh, who cares 
I care, then do something about it. The time of crisis. And we recognize the crisis of our hour and dedicate ourselves to being all that God wants us to be in these days. You realize that Satan realizes the fact that his days are short. His days are short. I wish Christians would be as dedicated to a cause as Satan is towards his cause. Because he's dedicated. He's seeking whom he may devour because he's got limited time to take as many with him as he possibly can. Time of Christ, let her be a time of commitment. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off darkness and let us put on the armor. A time of commitment. The idea of this verse has to do with a man rising from sleep, throwing off his bed covers, getting out of his pajamas, and getting himself dressed for the day. We think of Ephesians chapter number 6. Paul wrote that as well. We think about the armor of God. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not just bits and pieces, but you need every piece of it. And what Paul is saying right here is, hey, Christian, it's time to get committed to the things of God. It's time to get out of bed, pull back the covers, get out of cozy pajamas, get up, put on your armor, and go make a difference in the world I placed you in. That's what he's saying here. That's what we see in these verses. We're supposed to, and you think about this, it makes it very clear, we're supposed to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul makes other references in Colossians and the book of Ephesians that we are to put off the old man, put on the new man, mortify the old man, put on the new man. We see that right before our eyes. We're supposed to cast off the works of darkness. That's literally take them off. That's what it means. And then it says you're supposed to put on, and to put on, and where, what's my coat doing? There we go. You put on a coat, just like how I'm putting this on. That's what we're supposed to do with the armor of God. That's what we're supposed to do with putting on the new man. You put it on, because the old man is there. The old man doesn't want to do the things of God. The old man likes to sleep, and all old men like to sleep. Young men like to sleep. We all do. But now's the time to get out of bed, get out of the covers. The day's at hand. There's not much time left, and now's the time to do something for God. Now's the time to get your armor on. The idea here, and God's idea of the Christian life, is one of total commitment and dedication. Most Christians, though, their lives are a life of compromise. They honor God over here in this area, but then we do as we please, and we switch off. I'll do this for God, but I'm going to do this for myself. and do this. No, God wants to say, Lord, I yield my stubborn will completely. Help me do your will. Lord, my control. Not just this little area, but the whole thing. That's what God wants today. We see, number one, our duty to watch diligently, and times run now. Number two, our duty to work diligently. Number three, here we go, our duty to walk diligently. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. As we look at this, and the, the idea here carries over, Paul is talking about 
the type of walk that a believer should have in his life. Letter A, we should show a decent walk. The phrase, walk honestly, means to behave properly. God's people, Christians, behave themselves wisely in the world they live today. God's people should be the best citizens on the face of the planet. God's people should be the ones who pay their bills ahead of time or on time. God's people should be the ones who, when they go to work, they actually work. God's people should be the ones who show up early to work and not late. Wow, think about that one. God's people should have a good name with their neighbors. We're supposed to behave properly. Then what this means is we are to live an outward life that is consistent with what is on the inside. The problem is what's on the inside of Christians is what comes out, and that's what gets us in trouble. Too many Christians get this idea, if I just act like it, and if I let people think I do this, no, because whatever's in here is going to come out. If you're sowing to your flesh, it's going to flow. If you're sowing to the Spirit, it will flow and it will show. And as we look at this and we talk about we need to show a decent walk, we see letter B, we should shun a devilish walk. After telling us how we should live, Paul turns his attention to how we should not live. And six sins that were really bad in his day, and guess what? They're still pretty bad today as well. As we look at this and we think about this, what are the six that he mentioned? Number one, rioting. Orgies, brawlings, things of that nature. He says, walk as in the day, not in rioting. And then what's the ne- And then he ties drunkenness to it. Drunkenness refers to an habitual and intentional intoxication. Drunkenness does not just refer to alcohol, it can refer to pills and drugs. Anything that alters your behavior. It's something to note as well, if you want to note this, just so you have this in your notes, if you take notes and things. Did you know that the Lord mentions rioting and drunkenness together three times in the New Testament? They're tied to one another. Here in Romans 13, 13, Galatians 5, 21, and 1 Peter 4, 3. They're tied together. Number three, chambering. The word chambering comes from a word that means to go to bed with someone. It refers to sexual activities that are engaged in outside of marriage relationship. It's a work of the flesh. It's sin. May I just help us with what those are? Fornication is sin. If you're not married and you're with someone performing acts that belong in marriage, you are in open sin before God. And it's wrong. And it should not be accepted by people today. I know our world accepts it, but it's still wrong in God's eyes. Fornication's wrong. Let's take that a step further. Adultery. Being with someone you're not married to, when you made a vow to your spouse, that is sin as well. And it's gotten to the day and the point where we get to this point in our churches and people do it openly and it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big thing to God. And we got to deal with these things, but we see this thing here and we got to be very careful. There are things that God's forbidden. God made sex in marriage 
period. That's where he made it for. That's where it's supposed to be. Not before you get married and not with someone else after you're married. God made it for marriage and marriage only. And the devil wants to take the good thing that God created and screw it up and mess it up for everyone else in this world. Because God made something great. And I know you might be saying in here, I've seen lots of different people. But, oh, pastor, I've messed up in this area before. Get back up and just start moving for the Lord today. A just man falls seven times, but he gets up again. Do it. Get back up. And praise God that we serve a God who isn't looking for perfect people. Because if he was looking for a perfect person, none of us would fit into that mold, would we? Rioting and drunkenness, chambering, and then the word wantonness. That's a word we don't use a lot today. And this word is tied to the previous word of chambering. Chambering means to go to bed with someone. Wantonness has, is, has to do with an unbridled, uninhibited sexual desire and activity. It speaks against, you know, it's, there's this, it's really deep and wicked in sexual things. We'll leave it at that. Then we see two more. We see strife. The word strife refers to a mindset that sets its own way first and foremost without regarding anyone else and what they think. It speaks of those who are constantly bickering, engaging in antagonistic and petty disagreements. We see the word envy used. Number six refers to a spirit of jealousy. This is an attitude of me first and everyone else after. It's an attitude of the heart that seeks everything self wants without concern for the impact of the lives of others. A Christian, our duty is to watch diligently. Number two, our duty is to war diligently. Number three, our duty is to walk diligently. Number four, and lastly, our duty is to wait diligently. Verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. When we think about this, letter A, we see fact that we need to wait properly dressed. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey Christian, in the book of Ephesians, put on the new man. Put on the whole armor of God. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we talk about this, you got to understand, we are placed in Jesus Christ the moment of salvation. Here it means we are to clothe ourselves in what the Lord would have us be. That new man. Put on that new man. You see, as a saved child of God, you are a new creature. Correct? Old things are passed away, all things are become new. That's what the Bible says. The thing is, you are a new creature, but the old man still hangs around. And the old man hasn't gone anywhere. The old man is still there. So the question is, do you put on the new creature that you've been made in the Christ? And that creature and that person, want, the new man wants to be like Jesus. The new man looks at the scriptures and says, this is how Jesus was, this is how I want to be. I want to live my life, do these things. I want to be like the Lord. I want to do more and more like him. But the old man's like, calm down, buddy. We were doing just fine. In fact, I like not doing much. And there's a war that goes on within our members each and every day. Paul is telling us here, 
put on that new man. And we see letter A, we're supposed to properly be dressed, wait properly for B. We need to wait properly disengaged. We're told not to make provision for the flesh. Now, get this, the word provision means forethought or planning. What is this telling us right here? Get this here and we're just about done. The idea is we're to avoid all attempts by the mind to allow for fleshly desires to be fulfilled. When your flesh is wreaking havoc in your life, you plan out how you can do what you want to do. The Bible says, put on the new man and don't give time to plan anything for the flesh. Don't give in to your flesh. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we're guilty, and when we think of these things, we think about what James 1, verse 14 and 15 tells us. It tells us, do you have those verses? But every man is tempted. You know, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. When we get drawn away of our own lust and we plan how we're going to do what we're planning to do, the Bible says don't go down that road. Don't give your flesh an inch. You know, it's just like different areas in your life. You struggle with alcohol. Let me give you some help tonight. Don't go down to the bar. Because you're just giving yourself a... And here, don't go down the alcohol aisle at the store. Maybe don't even go somewhere where they serve that stuff. Or don't go to someone's house that always has it. Because you're giving yourself a provision to fulfill the works of the flesh in your life. And maybe you have a problem with, I don't know what your problem is tonight. Whatever your problem is, don't give provision to the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on that new man. Do the things of God. And as long as we live in this world, there are always going to be temptations. We'll sin, but you don't have to sin. You'll be tempted, but you don't have to yield to temptation tonight. You've got to understand something. When we allow our mind, our hearts, our wills, our emotions to rule our lives, we are letting the flesh make a way to do the things that we should not do. And you can justify anything in your mind and do it. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Paul says here under inspiration, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't listen to that flesh. Don't let that flesh come up with a plan. You put on Jesus Christ. You put on that new man that you've been given. You wear that new man because the day is getting close. It's time to wake up, Christian. It's time to do what God's called us to do. Think about 1 John 4, 4. Greater, um, you are of God, little children, have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Do you know the new man is more powerful than the old man? Did you know that? That old man doesn't stand a chance, but we, for some reason, let the old man run the roost. The new man is power, more powerful. He's got some spirit with him that the old man doesn't have. The Holy Spirit. We need that. Think about what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, we know the time. The signs are all around us tonight. 
now's the time to wake up out of our sleep. And let's make 2022 the greatest year in the things we do for God in this place. Let's have a fervency behind everything that we do. Let's have an excitement. Let's get busy getting souls to Jesus Christ. Let's get busy of teaching people about the Lord. Let's get busy doing what God has called us to do.